Hey everybody, welcome to the Healthynomics podcast. This is episode number eight. If you're a new listener, well, thanks so much for coming to check it out. And if you're a returning listener to the podcast, uh, thanks for coming back. Uh, I just want to point out to you guys, um, if you want to stay in touch, and, I, and I'd love to stay in touch with all of you, um, the best way to do that is to subscribe to our newsletter. Um, you can do that by going to www.healthynomics.com newsletter. And if you sign up there, uh, you'll be the first to find out about the new blog posts, new podcasts. Uh, we often do giveaways. I've given away a few pairs of shoes, uh, books, etc. So anyways, check it out. And uh, let's get to today's guest, Daria Pino-Rose. I was very excited to have a chat with her. So I hope you enjoy it, and we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Hey, everybody. I'm Mark Kennedy, and welcome to another Healthionomics podcast. Today, I'm extremely excited to have Daria Pino-Rose as my guest. Daria is the author of Foodist and the creator of Summer Tomato, one of Time's 50 best websites of 2011. She received her PhD in neuroscience from UCSF, and her bachelor's degree in molecular and cell biology from UC Berkeley. Daria writes about food, health, and science on her blog uh, and for several other publications. She's a dedicated foodist, health enthusiast, and advocate of local seasonal foods. And um, I should add, and I've been following Daria's blog for about two and a half years now, and I really love it. It's got some great um, practical advice and then dives into the science uh, where she needs to. And uh, anyways, Daria, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Um. Great. So first of all, let me congratulate you on a couple of things. Firstly, the launch of your new book, which I guess is, um, you said May 7th it's coming out? Yeah, just a couple of weeks. Exciting. Cool. So you must be uh, running around doing lots of uh, interviews. And I, <laughs> I, I saw your video, which was very cool, your uh, your um, video or your book launch video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun to make. <laughs> and you recently got married as well. So uh, congrats on that. And uh, Thank you. You're, you're, certainly busy yeah not not the easiest uh year so far but it's been really exciting that's good so let's get into a few questions here um i gave a brief intro of um of what you do who you are but uh, can you give us a bit more detailed uh introduction of yourself and uh, your blog summer tomato and how that came to be sure so basically i was um like anybody else i was a kid and i was i was growing up in southern california uh, sort of in the frenzy of the dieting 90s, 80s and 90s. And um, so for me, you know, I grew up on the beaches and bikinis and ballet class and everybody was always trying to be skinny. And so I was sort of, you know, I just thought that was normal. I just thought dieting was how you, like if you wanted to look good, I just thought you were on a diet like for your whole life. And so I was moving in and out of all these different diets starting at age 11, believe it or not, um, all through high school, didn't eat any fat, I'll do college, I didn't eat any carbs, I'll do grad school, I was like running marathons, I was basically doing everything under the sun. And no, sorry, I don't interrupt, but were you, were you overweight doing this, or were you like just just trying to do what everyone else does? Um, I was definitely, well, I, I went up and down, you know, so, like most dieters, you know, I would get on a new diet, I would lose a bunch of weight, sometimes I'd be real thin, um, and then, you know, eventually it would stop working, I'd try to you know, find my way around and I'd gain some weight back. You know, at my heaviest, I was probably 20, maybe a little bit more than 20 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, I don't think, you know, I was never, I was always always on a diet, so I was never like completely, like completely overweight or, you know, to the obese level. But 
I was definitely unhappy. And I think that was sort of the main thing. Food was always a struggle. And I felt like I was never eating. You know, I, I, I would skip breakfast for lunch and have, you know, like a slim fast shake or, or like a power bar or like some other diet thing. And, you know, I'd eat salads all for dinner and I just, and, but you know, you just can't sustain that. And so I felt like I was always unhappy and I never liked my body and it was just this constant struggle. It was awful. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that brings me sort of into my next question. Why do you think people, I mean, this is a huge question, but why do people struggle so much with weight loss? Um, you know, I know there's a ton of factors at play, but, um, you know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, for me, it was sort of this revelation I had. And, and, and this is sort of why I started the blog and why I eventually wrote Foodist. Uh, it's because um, I didn't realize, and I think that this is a big disconnect between people trying to lose weight and um, but between what they're doing and what works, is that I was under the impression that like dieting was a completely different thing from health. Like I thought if you wanted to be healthy, you ate granola and like worked in your garden, and if you wanted to be skinny, you ate diet foods and power bars and diet coke and you just didn't eat any carbs or whatever, whatever like the diet at the time was. And I for some reason in my mind they were just completely disconnected. And mm-hmm. um what what clicked for me was when you know, I I became as <laughs> you know, my real job for a long time as a scientist and um I uh didn't I got really fr- frustrated with the way my weight loss regimen was going. I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. I was really unhappy. And so I decided to dig into the science myself. And what I decided, what I found out when I did that was that two things. One, that there is no perfect diet. I thought there was going to be some perfect restrictive diet. And none of them really work for very long periods of time. And the other thing is that the thinnest, healthiest people, so they're, they're, all, they're the same. Like thin people are healthy people. And they, they do that by not like sticking to a crazy diet, but eating real food and, uh, and eating overall healthy patterns of food and not restricting yep. any one thing at all. And that was a big revelation for me. So I sort of went in like with this, you know, reading this and thinking to myself, gosh, this sounds crazy. You mean, I, you know, like healthier people eat breakfast. I'm like I'm supposed to eat breakfast. That doesn't sound right. You know, <laughs> like, um, you know, and I, I was like, how's this, this is just going to make me gain weight. And I sort of had to take a leap of faith by starting to eat real food and just kind of kicking all the processed diet foods out of my life. And I, you know, in my back of my mind, I was like, Oh gosh, if this doesn't work, I'll just go back on my like leek soup diet for a couple of days. And like, you know, just, and I, but it worked. And I, without even and eating more and better tasting food that I'd ever eaten in my life, I started losing weight and I quickly lost like a little, like, you know, five to 10 pounds, which was shocking to me. And then I continued to lose weight. Um, you know, just two, three pounds a year until, you know, I sort of settled at a new set point, which is lower than I ever thought I wanted to be, um, but not in a bad way. And, you know, I think I'm like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I look like the way I'm supposed to look. I love food now. I eat all the time, at least three times a day. And it's just a complete, it was a complete revolution for me in my mind and how, in my, the quality of my life. And that was when I realized, like, I need to tell people about this. Like, people are being fooled by the dieting industry and I you know I, I need to tell people that you can eat and that you should eat and that your life will be way way better if you do so the the people you've I mean, I mean you touched on probably a positive way in thousands of people's lives but um is it is it a common disconnect you find with other people you've talked to this um between sort of health and um or a healthy weight and being healthy do, do a lot of people have that disconnect I think so uh I I 
pretty much don't know anybody who isn't like a dieter. And the mm-hmm. last thing, and you know, not like a, not like crazy, but like everyone's always kind of dieting, and um, and none of them really, you know, they still drink soda, like they still, you know, none of them really make the connection between what, like what health is and and what weight loss is. It just seems they just they, they you know they don't understand. They think it's good to get the super processed oatmeal, I'm going to like put quotes around oatmeal, with like extra protein and extra fiber added to it as if oats need more <laughs> fiber or something. And, um, you know, they, they, they buy into that stuff no matter what. And like health is just like really not on their radar at all. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I like to talk about, what about habits? Where do habits play in? I know, I mean, I haven't read your book, but I have gone through some of the excerpts you've sent, um, and chapter summaries. And I know there's a, there's going to be quite a bit about habits. So um, perhaps you could talk about habits a lot. And I know I have a couple of friends that, um, you know, struggle with weight and go on diets. And I know for, for them, they, they talk about habits all the time. And, you know, yeah, they can go on a diet for a week or a month maybe, but creating that lasting, those lasting uh, healthy eating habits, that's very tough. Right. So that's the key. So what I sort of figured out once I started doing this was that I could eat pretty much whatever I wanted, <laughs> but it was dependent on me eating healthy most of the time. So what I did was I set up habits for to basically to automate the, the food choices that I make most often. And when you think about it, like there's data that has something like 90% of our food choices don't, aren't really conscious if you think they're conscious, but they really are just you reacting to your environment in the, way, the same way over and over and over again. And that's what a habit is. And so what, what, so what I realized is that if you just set up the big ones, you know, breakfast, on, lunch on weekdays, um, weeknight dinners, if you set up 80% or so of your habits to be automatically healthy, so where you don't even think about it, it tastes good, you enjoy it, it's, it gets you closer to your goals rather than farther from your goals, then on weekends, on your anniversary, on your birthday, you can go have pizza and cake and it, and it doesn't even matter. And so that's why the habits are so important because it means you never, ever, ever have to diet again. You just are automatically healthy. That's an excellent point. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, now, what about deprivation as well? Like, you often hear, um, you know, if, if you feel deprived, it, that's, that's a diet or an eating plan that you're not going to subscribe to long term. Uh, do you agree with that or Absolutely. So one of the things about habits, right? Like if you think like you can't have a habit that's like, I'm not eating pizza, right? Like that's not a habit. And one of the, one thing you need to understand about how habits are formed is, or what they are basically, it's having something that you react to as a, a cue, either in your, your environment or internally. So basically, you know, your alarm clock goes off, you wake up, you're hungry, you go to breakfast, your cue is like it's morning, or you see an ad on TV and it, so somebody drinking a soda and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm totally thirsty. That sounds good. Uh, and so, but the, the trick, the reason habits form is because there's always a reward at the end. And it's really important to understand this because if you <laughs> torture yourself, there's no reward. In fact, <laughs> the habit will never, ever form. And it might, it may even become more difficult for it to form in the future if you try to create a reward. So torturing yourself is the absolute wrong way to lose weight because you can't form habits when you torture yourself. And if, you, and if it's not a habit, it's not going to stick. So 
it's, this is like the best news ever, right? Like you have to like your food. You have to like your habits. You have to enjoy the ones you pick and the ones that you decide that are going to stick with you for your whole life. And that means you can't, you know, that, that means you don't have to suffer anymore. Not, not only do you not have to, but you, you can't. If you do it that way, you're going to fail. <laughs> it's great. It's great news. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that that actually totally reminds me of, and uh, I, I should bring this up, but I'd love to get your thoughts on The Biggest Loser because, I mean, you know, I've seen the show, and we, my wife and I watch it once in a while, and um, it, it doesn't, it seems like torture to me, and I mean, it seems like a bit of a disaster in the waiting, like, you know, a lot of these people are losing a ton of weight, but I think, you know, I, I don't know, like, how these people are doing months or years down the road, but um, that seems like... That seems like deprivation to me. Yeah, it's, The Biggest Loser makes me so sad. It's, to me, one of the saddest phenomena on TV. Basically, you know, they, they get these people who are vulnerable, and they torture them so that they lose weight, which, you know, makes them feel good about themselves briefly, but they don't really give them the tools to maintain that weight. Most of them gain it back. You know, some of the past contestants have been very vocal about what it did to them psychologically. And I can't imagine, personally, what it would feel like to have lost 100 pounds, 150 pounds, and then have it come back and have all that undone. Like, would you ever try again? You know, it's just like, it's horrible. I just think it's so sad. And it, there's no need to torture yourself like that. Clearly, you know, it, 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 just, it drives me nuts. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it really, it really bums me out. And I would love all the contestants to read my book. Uh, I know. I'd I know. Give it to um, <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Doctor um, Yanni Friedoff, who's up here in Canada as well. He <laughs> he he's not too fond of it as well. So right. I like I like reading some of his commentary as well once in a while. Yeah, Tom Venuto wrote a really good opinionated post about it a few years ago too that I loved. Okay, maybe I'll I'll get that link from you and I'll uh, throw it up on the the notes for the uh, episode. Um. Now, I guess let's quickly dive in just a little bit to the science of things. And, um, you know, I, I would often wonder about this. I, I've never really battled with my weight, but I, I, I figure this is probably a question that a lot of people have. And there's a lot in the media and books and stuff um, talking about, you know, the whole weight loss. And is it a calories in, calories out equation, or is there more involved? There's, you know, I, I hear a lot about hormones and that um, that they're not a good at arithmetic, so um, you know it's not as simple as calories in, calories out. But I'd love to get your uh, thoughts on that. Right. So calories definitely counts, and you know that whole equation of how many calories you burn versus how many calories you eat—that's true. The problem is the idea that you think you can manipulate it with your free will. <laughs> that's the problem because <laughs> that's where the hormones come in, right? Like the hormones yeah. are what tell you when you're hungry and when you're full. Your habits are what tell you to eat an extra 20% more than you might not have if you had a smaller plate or if you had just put fat, put your food on a plate and sat at the table instead of just eating out of the bag. So, yes, the calories are important. They can't, I mean, you can't, they do work slightly differently. Like some create, you know, sugar calories can increase your more likelihood of storing fat, whereas, you know, protein calories are less likely to do that. But that's all, that's all sort of a slight manipulation the biggest issue for most people is the psychological will right like the how how those calories impact your hunger levels because if you're starving and you know and definitely sugar sugar calories will make you you know they'll mess up your insulin you know if you, if you have too much sugar on a regular basis you will mess up your insulin signaling pathways and you will lower your metabolism and mm -hmm. you will 
become uh, more just more susceptible to all the, the problems and you'll be more hungry on and eat more and store more fat. It's, 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 it's a bad cycle. And that's definitely true. But, you know, the, the bigger issue is, I think, what makes you make those decisions in the first place? What makes gotcha. you what makes you eat more versus less? What makes you, you know, eat well versus not? Yeah. Uh, and, and back to the, the whole calorie thing. Um, do you like calorie counting? Or, you know, I know some people have success with it. A couple of my friends have had a lot of success with it. But um, what do you think about calorie counting? Here's the, here's the tricky thing about that. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of tracking your food. So what I mean by that is keeping a food journal, writing down what you're eating, especially if you've never done it before. Because mm-hmm. most people are completely completely oblivious to what they're actually eating and the volume they eat, and how often they eat, and the, how much sugar they really eat, and all these things. So I think that that practice is very, very valuable. And I, I do recommend keeping a food journal. You know, like as somebody, like for me, like I have been a dieter my whole life, and I've kept food journals forever, and so I don't really need to do it anymore. But I think if you're new at it, I think it's a great tool. And so if you look at uh, most diet studies, the control group, which is the group that is not supposed to change their diet, they almost always mm-hmm. lose weight. And the reason yeah. they almost always lose weight is because part of the thing they're supposed to do is just track their food. And yeah, most, and, that, and that's just that's an awareness thing, isn't exactly. it? You're just more aware of what you're eating. Exactly. So tracking your food will make you lose weight. Uh, the issue I have with calorie counting specifically is that it's a it's a little neurotic, and I just feel like it creates this like tension between you and your food. And I don't think that that's healthy to do long term. Like I said, a short term food journal, I think, can be very, you know, give you a lot of insight into what you're eating. The other mm-hmm. issue is that if you look at the FDA requirements for package labeling, they are legally allowed to be off 20% for the calories that they label as in the packaged food. So, wow. and, and, you know, if you get on the treadmill or you, you know, you put on your little heart rate monitor or whatever, like, you're not really getting a very accurate count of how many you burn either. So I feel like you're sort of deluding yourself to think that you can actually <laughs> accurately track your calories. I mean, and it, it, it's, cra- it's, it's, like, it's crazy sometimes. Like most people underestimate the calorie intake by a lot. And it's mm-hmm. largely because the packages are wrong. And it's largely because they aren't, you know, they, they can't tell the difference between one cup and two cups. They think two cups is maybe 30% more than two, than one cup, even though it's, double you know so and yeah. that, that's a portion size issue like that's like, like a scientific thing that's been shown is we're worse at judging large portion sizes so I just I you know so I think if, if calorie counting is helping people you know I would never tell them to stop doing something that was working but at the same time I think there's some a little bit of delusion there about what you're actually tracking and why it's actually working I don't think people can really accurately intake their calories unless they have like you know a device that's measuring their blood sugar plugged into their vein for an extended period of time and i know people have done that but um for the most part i think (laughs) for the most part i think it's tough to do and i would i I recommend focusing more on whole foods and other habits that are to build healthy habits rather than counting calories cool okay um well before i got a few other questions but let's just get to your book um because I want to touch upon that, and I know you want to spread the message about your book, because I think it's going to be fantastic. I look forward to reading it. Uh, so the book is called Foodist. Um, so uh, I've just got to, you know, firstly, what is a foodist, and um, what was your motivation to write the book, um, and, and who's it for? Yes. So foodist came from, basically come from the work I was doing on Summer Tomato. 
And it, it just basically compiles everything that I've learned and understand and the science and all that and puts it into a manual to teach people to stop dieting and get healthy and lose weight without that dieting mentality that doesn't work. And it teaches you about habits, how to, how they form, which habits to choose, where to start, you know, how to deal with the social pressures. Cause you know, your friends aren't always supportive. It's sad, but a lot of friends and family members don't, don't necessarily support you. And there's a lot of psychological issues there. So yeah, basically it's a, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's like a letter to 18 year old Daria who is struggling and suffering <laughs> with this, this, these issues. And it's the manual that I wish I had, you know, 15 years ago went before, you know, I wasted so much time and was so unhappy with food for so long. So basically, I mean, and so in another way to say it, it's a chronic dieters, it's great for them. But even if you just want to be a little healthier and you just want to know a little bit more and cut through the BS of the dieting industry, I, I think most people find it entertaining and enjoyable. I've had nothing but positive responses for the people who read it so far. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. And uh, I was showing my wife your um, your book uh, trailer video this morning, and she's like, "What's she having for breakfast?" She's like, "A little steel cut oats because you know those take too long, and we've got a little one." And ask her what she has for breakfast. So I, I read actually the um, the summary in your book, and I, it's, it's muesli, isn't it? Yeah, it takes two minutes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it takes two minutes. I uh, I mix it up. I have oats, and I mix up some um, just trail mix in there. To, so I just I literally just pour them into a container and stir it. And then I uh, put a cup of it in a microwave safe bowl, put in a splash of water, stick it in the microwave for two minutes, take it out, splash on some, I like almond milk and then uh, a little bit of cinnamon. Yeah. And it's go time. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. We'll try that. Um, and from your blog, I've read, you know, you talk a lot about mindful eating and this is something, again, I, I've never sort of had a weight problem, but, I'm terrible at mindful eating. Like, you know, if my metabolism starts to slow down as I get a bit older, like I think I'm in trouble because I eat so fast. And, you know, my wife calls me out on all the time, you know, slow down, slow down, enjoy your food. But um, can you talk a bit about mindful eating and how that plays into, you know, being eating a healthy diet and um, maintaining a healthy weight? And, and, and as, on a side note, I saw a, a smart fork um, today <laughs> on Kickstarter. I don't know if you've seen that, but... And encourages slower eating, apparently. Amazing. Um, yeah, my, you sort of hit on it there about why mindful eating is important. Is important. It forces you to slow down, pay attention to what you're eating, and you eat less and enjoy that food more. So you, you actually enjoy it more. So it's double win, right? You're not. It's like the opposite of deprivation. And one of the reasons it's so important is because in 2013, you know, and for the last 10 years or more. Food, we are bombarded with food cues to eat more, eat faster, eat worse, you know, be gluttonous, eat in your car, eat while you're running around, like eat in front of the computer, eat while you're watching TV. And, and, you know, the sizes, the portions keep getting bigger and bigger. And what happens is all these things will subconsciously force you to eat more than you need. And, you know, that's that's pointless. You don't want to waste calories. You don't want to waste health 
when you don't have to. And if it's, if it's especially if it's something you're not even conscious of, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not fine. Like if I want to eat extra calories, I want to enjoy those. Like I want that to be like ice cream, you know, I want it to be good. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so my point with the mindful eating is if you can train yourself to develop the habit of eating mind, mindfully, you will naturally eat less and, and know your boundaries a lot better and get more out of your meals and get more out of food, which is really the, the, the point, right? You, this, this is the life we're living. We want it to be good. We don't just want to be skinny. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You touch upon an interesting point there because, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I, I've been, you know, very active in sports and stuff and, I'm, you know, run quite a bit. But, you know, I think for me, I often look at food as fuel and um, sometimes I forget to enjoy it because I'm just so worried, you know, I'm hungry. I just want to shovel down a bunch of food and satisfy my hunger. Um, but sometimes I think, you know, the practice of just slowing down, enjoying it, and um, I think that's better sort of a long-term approach, and it probably helps with other things like digestion, I'm assuming, as well. Absolutely. You know what it also helps with, which has sort of been a revelation to me, work. Like when you become more mindful in one part of your life, it sort of trickles in the others. And I'm much better at writing because it's much easier for me to ignore Twitter and Facebook for a few hours because I've been doing these mindful practices now for you know, a year or two. It's, it's really amazing. Interesting. It's like meditating while you're eating. Totally. So, totally. It's all part of the same thing. And it, it's, 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 it's like the easiest, cheapest, like best diet advice I have. Like whenever people are like, oh, I, I eat healthy, but I can't lose weight. I'm like, can you try chewing? And they look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, 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 really try chewing. It, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to try that. <laughs> um, what else? Um, another thing too, I want to touch upon there's, there's tons of, different diets out there and people sort of seem to want to cling to, you know, a certain diet that um, identifies them. You know, there's the paleo people and vegan and fruitarian and slow carb. Um, and what do you think of all these? Like, I mean, don't go into each one, but um, you know, to me, it seems like, you know, all these different diets confuse people. And I think there's probably a balance, you know, some good things to take from all of them and, probably some bad things um, from all of them. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So diets are tricky. You know, I would never tell anybody that if something was working for them, that they should stop doing that because everyone's different. You know, what yeah. works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. But at the same time, my biggest issue with diets in general is that they can get really dogmatic. And, and that's where I start, you know, I'll sort of start rolling my eyes. I'm like, really? Because I eat carbs and I'm fine. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, they act like, you know, sometimes the paleo people can get pretty self-righteous and be like, you know, if you eat a grain or if you eat a bean or a lentil, you know, it's got all these things in there and you're going to die. And it's just like, you know what? I just went to the doctor and I'm really, really healthy. And I <laughs> like Indian food, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, that's an issue for me. Uh, but, you know, sometimes things like that can be great for, you know, if you have a specific event or, you know, uh, I think, you know, Tim's slow-carb diet, you know, people can get and really lose a lot of weight in a fairly health, with a fairly healthy diet really quickly. And, you know, that's the goal there. It's like to get, lose fat really fast. And if that's your goal, like, I think those, you know, those can be used every now and then for something like that. Personally, I, I don't see the point. I just want to as a normal person who just wants to go through my day enjoying my food and looking and feeling healthy, I don't see the point, but you know, if it's, it's something that works, makes sense for you at the time, I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, yeah, I think some people just, they like it cause it gives them some guidance and 
you know what, if along the way they think, you know, they do lose some fat and then they go to the doctor and they say, you know, side note, your cholesterol is lower and your healthy fats are, are good. And, you know, that that's a bonus. So yeah, as long as they can maintain it, though, because that's the issue with the yeah. diets is they train you to not do that. They, they, they actually, there's like, we haven't even talked about this, but there's a psychological component to dieting, this restrictive mentality. And what happens is when you go off the diet, dieters are far worse than normal people at controlling their eating after that. So it almost encourages weight gain. So you have to be really careful. You're playing with fire if you ever really want to go on a diet that's, like, that's extreme that way. Let's go into that just a little bit because, um, yeah, that's an interesting point because, I mean, often you see, and I hear people, when you your body has a certain, I guess, homeostasis and it wants to maintain a certain weight and it fights very hard to maintain that weight. So if you, you know, if you lose, you know, lose a bunch of weight, your your body tries to stay there. But, um, you know, I guess if you get sidetracked, it's quite easy to, to get on that slippery slope again. So how does that all work? Yeah, that's absolutely true. So if you if you lose weight too quickly, it'll your metabolism will slow drastically uh, as a homeostatic response. So, yeah, so losing weight slowly, which, you know, my plan, if you've, if you've been a long-time dieter, you'll probably lose weight slower on the, on, on the foodist plan than you would on maybe some other super low-carb diet or something like that. That said, if you are a normal person and you've just sort of eaten bad your whole life and you just sort of want to get a little healthier, I'm interviewing uh, someone this week who uh, just picked up the book randomly from a friend of mine. The book's not even out yet, but my friend had it, and he grabbed it, and he's lost 35 pounds in four months. (laughs) And he just, you know, he has done, he doesn't feel like he's dieting. He's just, like, done little, tiny little changes here and there that's made a big difference. But um, what I was going to say about the, the dieting, what happens is in your uh, when you're a dieter, you you restrict your food, right? You're like so you're on a plan, and it's like, well, I'm hungry now, right? But it says I can eat, you know, a chicken breast in two hours or whatever. And so you train yourself to not pay attention to your hunger and continue what you're doing, and then eat what you're supposed to eat. And what happens when you do that is not only do you train your body to stop paying attention to when you're hungry, you also stop paying attention to when you're full. And when you totally derail those internal signals that, you know, so you don't know when you're hungry or full, you're, you're far more vulnerable to all those external triggers we were talking about that can cause you to overeat and eat mindlessly. And so that's the problem with, with the dieter is, you know, they'll be fine when they're on their diet. And, but once, if they break for any reason, they tend to go nuts. And then, and over time they, you know, they, they, a slow their metabolism and be like have completely forgotten how to eat properly and eat to eat to nourish themselves. And it can be a, a really dangerous cycle. And most dieters gain weight over time. That's like a very high predictor of weight gain is having gone on a diet in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know my mom, she did, um, this is years ago, did sort of, um, I don't know what it was, a Nutra, Nutra system mm-hmm. or, um, one of those weight loss programs. And, um, um, she, and she lost a ton of weight, but, um, she had to get her gallbladder removed. Oh my gosh. Like years or, you know, a couple of years later, she lost weight so fast that, um, I think it, you know, it really threw her system out of whack when, you know, if she'd lost it probably slower and made just simple, healthy changes. So, you know, she's, she's fine today. Um, she probably, you know, maybe gained some weight back and then, and lost it. And now she's a very, very healthy weight and, um, you know, working out a lot, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to think that perhaps that, that sort of extreme diet and caloric restriction really throws off your system. That's a terrible story. 
<laughs> well, it's good. It's good now. It's a, it's a happy ending now. But yeah, that that wasn't good. Um, so what what are some sort of big bang for your buck things? Someone wants to get healthier, eat a bit uh, better. Um, you know, right now, what are a few sort of simple big bang for your buck things they can do? Um, you know, starting today. Yeah, this is a great question. So I would definitely recommend chewing. Try chewing twenty five times per bite or more if you can. Just that act of paying attention and remembering to chew will cause a lot of people to lose weight. I talked to somebody the other day who lost 15 pounds just from chewing. There's that. There's, uh, I, I recommend, you know, one easy habit to get in the habit of eating more fresh vegetables. Uh, well, generally eating real food in general. So, you know, as long as you, the more often you can shun the processed foods, shun the food that doesn't grow, that doesn't look like it comes from the earth or the sea or the air, the, the more often you eat real food, the, the easier it will be to feel satisfied mm-hmm. with your food and to maintain a healthy weight. And and, and for, if you're doing that, like it's best to eat seasonal too because the healthy food will taste better. Like broccoli tastes way better when it's in season than when it's out of season. And, uh, and then I would recommend people wearing a pedometer and trying to get 10,000 steps a day. And, you know, I think it can sound like a lot, but it's so much, it's so effective. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's a lot easier than actually getting into a gym and getting all sweaty. So, yeah. And then I would recommend generally eating something green with lunch and dinner as a, as a good habit to develop, just to get mm-hmm. in the habit of eating vegetables. You know, even if you're going to eat pizza or eat something bad for you, that's fine. But, you know, just order a side salad and make yourself eat it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and what about organic versus non-organic? You know, that's, that's always a big question. People wonder, should I buy organic? Is it worth it or is it not worth it? Or are the benefits, um, you know, so far ahead of so the non-organic? Uh, what about what about that aspect? Yeah, this is a tricky one. I have found that if you're just shopping at a regular grocery store, then organic versus not organic is mainly a political and cost decision. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. if you know, I mean, if I had a baby, you know, that I was feeding who's going to be more vulnerable to pesticides, I would definitely go organic no matter what. But, you know, for like an adult who's just trying to eat as healthy as possible in a grocery store, to me, it's like if you believe, if you want to help the farm workers and all that and you can afford the organic produce, it's not going to taste that much better. And I don't think it's going to be that much better for you, except for the absence of pesticides. That said, uh, the farmer's market and organic produce that's local and fresh and that was grown by in small farms and rich soil by people who care about their product, those are going to be much higher in nutrients and they're going to taste a lot better. So you'll actually, you know, that reward for your habit will, will be there because the food actually tastes good. And so I'm, and I, you know, for me personally, I am a fan of, you know, the farm workers and I don't want them exposed to the pesticides and I do want to make that political statement and sort of vote with my fork. So I, I try to buy organic whenever possible. And generally, even more so, I try to get my stuff at the farmer's market. Or even if I, you know, if I end up at, like, Whole Foods or something, they sometimes have local farms that they represent, you know, so it'll be different depending on what city you're in. And I try to buy those whenever possible as well. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm I'm happy to, you know, pay an extra couple dollars to support that part of the food movement. Um, But, you know, if you can't afford it or if, if that's not a priority for you and you're just looking at health, I say, you know, a good guideline is that, uh, Dirty Dozen that the Environmental Working Group puts out, and those will tell you the ones that are uh, the highest pesticides that are the most likely to get into your body, and then they have the clean 15 or whatever, and those are the, you know, even when they're not organic, they're not as bad for you. And so, you know, that, yep. if you're just sort of 
going, you know, sort of, you know, not as hardcore as I am about this stuff. And that those are good guidelines to go by. And they came out every year updated. Yeah, and I'll put, I'll put a link to both those um, those lists uh, in the show notes here. Um, okay, so let's go to the last question here. Um, I interviewed Dr. Uh, Yanni Friedhoff um, probably last year sometime. And one one of the interesting points he made is. For people who want to lose weight, he said, spend more time in your kitchen than you do in the gym. And I, I thought that was a that was a great point, and it made me really think. Um, but I think um, you know, cooking at home, preparing your own food is is vital. Uh, and I know you talk a lot about that. Um, you know, how important do you think it is? I think it's huge, and I completely agree with him. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, he knows, and one thing he's referring to is the fact that it is difficult to lose weight just by exercising. It's great mm-hmm. for uh, maintaining weight, it seems. Like, it's important in weight maintenance. It is also great for looking good. Like, you'll look better at any size if you have some muscle in your body and are less flabby. So that's great. And I recommend, I definitely recommend strength training and stuff. But if you, if weight loss is your only goal, it, with working out makes you more hungry. So you're much better off focusing on making sure the food you eat is clean, it's fresh, it's local, and it's tasty, and it's, you know, nutritionally dense than you know, tr- buying a lot of diet products, eating out a lot, and just trying to spend all your time in the gym and getting healthy that way. It's, it's definitely not not the best way. So, yeah, kitchen. The kitchen's a yeah. great place to hang out. Yeah, no, cool. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's start wrapping this up here. I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, but your publisher um, uh, was nice enough to, to, to give away or give our listeners a couple copies of your new book. Um, so we figured um, to be eligible to um, win a copy of the book, uh, go to healthynomics.com slash foodist, and I'll set up that link and uh, enter a comment there at the bottom of the blog uh, with anything that you struggle with um, the most on a nutrition or weight loss perspective. Um, yeah, just drop a comment there and we'll pick two winners at random and um, I'll arrange to, to get the books uh, sent off to you. Awesome. Yeah, everybody go get it. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm really looking forward to checking out. So anyways, uh, Daria, thanks so much for your time and expertise. Um, can you let us know where we can, you know, pe- listeners can um, stay in touch with you and then follow what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. I spend most of my time at my blog, Summer Tomato, and I, I post there pretty often. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Summer Tomato on Twitter. And uh, actually, I do well on Google Plus for some reason. So uh, I'm Daria <laughs> Tino Rose at Google Plus, and I'm... Uh, Daria Pino, I think, on Facebook. And I know Daria Pino Rose on Facebook, too. And there's a Summer Tomato page. But awesome. Twitter is where I, I really I really answer a lot of questions if you're into the Twitters. Cool. Okay, well, I'll make sure I'll put uh, some links to those so people can get in touch if they want to. Um, anyways, Daria, thanks again. And um, we will chat to you soon. And I look forward to uh, and hope a successful launch of your book. Thanks so much, Mark. It was great to be here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.